Hi, CityCast listeners. On Fridays, we round up the week's Houston news. I am here today with A.K. Al Molman and a special guest. It is Friday, October 28th, 2022. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. All right, before we get into the news roundup today, we have a guest. Trine Nuri is the host of CityCast Philly, and y'all know she's here to talk about the World Series. Trine. Thank you for having me, Lisa. Oh, all right. Come on, bring it, bring it, bring it. I got a rep for the 215. We are going to do so well in the World Series. I'm sorry, Lisa. You're a nice woman, but I, I, I got to tell you, our guys are going to do it. <laughs> and what makes you think that? Because we have the best team. The Phillies are oh, hot on. right now. Hot. We have like one of the best stories of the postseason. Um, our dynamic duo of starting pitchers, Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola. Come on. And we got Bryce Harper. He is like the biggest free agent outfielder that the Phillies ever had. Um, and this is actually, you know, his first time in the World Series. So, um, but you know what? He always delivers. It's very cute. <laughs> Lisa. Oh, man. Yeah. I wish I was in Houston right now. I swear. (laughs) (laughs) I do, too. But I mean, come on. Like, the Phillies have a great story. I am going to give you that. If they weren't up against the Astros, I would be rooting for them because, oh, my God, that's what you've got. You've got a great story. Do you have the team behind it? I don't see it, not compared to the Astros. Oh, man, we do. I mean, we, we have do. all these vets. <laughs> we've got Verlander. We've got Altuve and Bregman. we got Baker. It, the list goes on. Y'all have two good pitchers. We have 11. You know, <laughs> like there is not a bum pitcher in the lineup right now. But everyone's rooting for us, Lisa. Everyone loves Philly, like... Come on, the 215, baby. <laughs> Y'all are cute. I hope we don't beat you too bad. You know, in Houston, like, it feels like the world is rooting against us, and that just makes us re- more ready to win. But come on, Lisa, let's be real. I hope it's not hard on you. You know what I think we, we should do? We should make a wager on this. <laughs> what do you got? Bring it on, girl. How about, okay, how about the losing cities? host, Mm -hmm. okay, you, um, has to post a video on your social media um, and on the podcast, too, congratulating Philly or the other teams uh, winning the World Series. How about that? Does that sound like something that you should be doing? (laughs) Trine, this (laughs) this is going to hurt you, girl. (laughs) You sure you want to do it? I'm I'm ready. I, I, I can't back down. You've, you've steeled yourself. You know what's going to happen. All right. Bring it on. The bet is there. Okay. Here we go. Come on, Phillies. Loser admits the superiority of the winning team, which we all know will be the Astros. All right. Trine, get out of here. Go, Phillies. Woo whoop. All right. AK, let's talk about the news. Yeah. So this bet you just made with Trine, I feel mm-hmm. like I can make you feel a little more confident going into it. Oh, because the big story of the week yep. is... The Astros. And I got some stats for you. 
Oh, the World Series. Uh huh. Yeah, for the World Series. And I want to give you some confidence about the Astros. As if I lacked any. But go on, make me feel good. Come on, AK. It's true, but I just want to make us like we're going to run this home. So, do you know that since the formation of the new uh, like postseason system that the MLB has, uh, that is essentially since about 1966 when they introduced the original format. Yeah. This year they introduced a newer format where they added the wild card games to it. But even then, since 1966, the Astros, if they sweep the Phillies, could potentially be the only team to ever go 11-0 and 0 in the postseason, we would historically set a precedent that no one has done in baseball. Can you imagine that? Which would be cool. I would feel a little bad about the Phillies. I don't want them to lose too badly. I don't want them to be embarrassed. Yeah. Let's go, right? I, I want to see it happen. Let's go. <laughs> we are one of the only teams in baseball to go four seasons with 100 wins. Uh, 100 games won. Uh, and I mean, we are statistically a monster to deal with. Uh, and the beautiful part about the Astros, this is the part that really brings me a lot of joy about the Astros. This specific group of guys that are going to the World Series, uh, seven of our players, seven of the players we put on the field regularly are homegrown Mm -hmm. From the Astros, like, farming system, it's Alex Bergman, Kyle Tucker, Jose Altuve, Yuli Gurriel, Jordan Alvarez, and Jeremy Pena. All of those who have been historically great this postseason. Jordan Alvarez is a rare talent in baseball in general. <laughs> Pena yeah. saved us in that 18-inning beast of a game. Oh, that was the one game that I felt really close and yeah. scary. To me, yeah, against the Mariners. It was a horror movie yeah. that lasted for like over six hours. Right. All of those guys are homegrown heroes. Altuve, one of the biggest baseball players in the world. One of the smallest baseball players in the world, but one of the best, yes. That is true. <laughs> that man That man really represents all the short kings in the world. Uh-huh. But yeah, it is, it is an incredible team. And it's a testament to our scouting. It's a testament to how good we are with the players we have in-house and how we take care of them. Mm -hmm. It makes me closer to my team, knowing that we didn't have to yeah. kind of strip our team apart just so we could continue our winning ways, that this is a sustainable formula for us. And I'm super excited for what we can do. It's not just the money. We're doing it right from the beginning. Exactly. I love it as a Houston thing, because this is the kind of long-term planning mm -hmm. that I don't think of this city doing very often. It's true. You know, really investing in the future and yeah. doing it right. True. So go Astros. Let's do it. The rest of our sports teams should take a lesson from the Astros 100%. I'm talking about like city planning and management too, you know? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Also <laughs> government ordinance. Yeah, for sure. Right, right. You know, let's let's think about how we run our corporations and schools. You know, I got I got bigger plans. You know, Astros as role models. Yeah. Let's go. I love it. That, then we have a lot more on say for us to win this World Series. Because mm -hmm. then it's proof that sustainable planning can get us the gold. 
You are so never going to write cheers, AK. <laughs> <laughs> Sustainable planning will get us the goal. That is just not going to set a stadium on fire. I know. That is not going to be a slogan. All right. Wonk that I am, I am still riveted by the election. Uh, early voting has started here in Harris County. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. It's so close. I don't know how a lot of the races that I care about will come out. Lena Hidalgo, who I thought was safely ahead, not by much, but safely looks to be in a much closer race for county judge. Her challenger, Alexandra Del Moral Miller, is coming on strong. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's just, I don't trust the polls. I don't know what's going on. I'm just biting my nails until yeah. the ballots are counted. Do you see a possibility? Is there a real chance that not only like in the big like statewide race that Beto potentially loses, but that Harris County could get swept red in this election? I think it's a possibility. So much is about turnout. I mean, we always say that with elections, but mm-hmm. it's very true with this one. Will the people who support Beto turn out the way that they did the last time that he won? That was the time when he swept Lena Hidalgo into office, even though he lost the rest of the state. Yeah, Harris County turned out big. Mm-hmm. Will that happen this year? Yeah, there's no straight ticket balloting, though. So do you think that that might cause a little bit of a disconnect from top to bottom? I doubt it because I don't see anybody who's breaking from their party on any issue. Mm. I mean, if you're really a wonk and maybe you know that one particular constable is bad in your party, maybe you'll vote against them. Okay. Or if you happen to know a probate judge who lives next door to you and doesn't belong to the party you vote for, maybe you cross over. But (laughs) I just don't see a lot of people splitting their ticket. Now, what may happen is that people will not go down and vote in the races they don't care about. Our ballots here are so long because Harris County is an enormous county. 20 pages from what I heard. Yeah. On my personal ballot, there will be 94 things for me to vote on. Did you study up? This sounds like an SAT exam. I usually want to like vote early, but I do feel some need to go check that every judge that I'm voting for is doing a good job, that I'm not accidentally sweeping in somebody, you know, known to be incompetent, even if they're in my party. I need to sit down and, you know, go look at endorsements, go try to figure out news stories, things like that. I mean, on the first week of voting, it seems early voting, sorry, it seems like. Uh, over 60,000 people have gone out to vote. One in 50 people yeah. in the county have gone out to vote. And so um, it seems like it's motivating a huge contingent. Hopefully once election day actually rolls around, we get the rest of the county to show out. I'm also sweating what is actually going to happen on election day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very likely that Harris County's results will come in late because... Yeah, that's true. We're big and there are always problems. You know, people are looking for any excuse to say that there is election fraud. Um, If you say that there's election fraud in a big Democratic voting county, then that lends credence later to the idea that, you know, maybe in a presidential election, our votes should be thrown out. And it gets a platform. Every time someone makes the claim, It is somehow nowadays getting a very big platform for it to be discussed. So anyway, I'm nervous, but I'm watching. I'm I'm putting together my cheat sheet. 
I'm gonna focus on the Astros for right now. I'm gonna just be excited about the Astros, <laughs> put my blinders on, and just kind of go and vote for the people I want to vote for here out in Fort Bend. And just kind of yeah, get your cheat sheet together and go do it. Well, and it has to be a sheet, by the way. You can't like make notes on your phone and check your phone. People need to know that. Wow. Texas law does not allow you to look at your screens. So print it out or write it down. Write it on your hand, whatever. I'm going to go buy like one of those spindly pinder like notebooks, like journals. Yeah. Write in it. (laughs) I haven't had those in years, but okay. All right. What do you think should have gotten more attention this week? So this might be a little unique, but Urban Edge recently wrote this phenomenal article on this paradigm shift that is happening Mm -hmm. in Houston and how Houston, like we were talking about Mm -hmm. ordinances and stuff like that, that the way we think about transportation in the city of Houston needs to fundamentally change uh, before it is unsustainable. Uh, essentially, the core tenant of the article is Vision Zero, which is the the Swedish model of lowering uh, as many car and, and cyclist deaths as possible. So the idea is that like you would have zero deaths caused by cars yes. hitting a pedestrian or someone on a bicycle. Exactly. Uh, one of the core principalities of it is that the government, the, the essentially the state ordinance or the city ordinance, needs to take responsibility for the safety of the citizenry. And it is not the responsibility of the citizenry solely to watch out for their own safety. Uh, we recently had Joe Catrufo on the show. From Bike Houston. Houston. Yeah, who spoke on the idea that like in residential areas, we probably should lower the speed limits even further so we could protect uh, people's safety and stuff like that. But the article also digs deeper into some research that has been done, especially by the Kinder Houston Area Survey, mm-hmm. which has which kind of been tracking people's and the public opinion on transportation in Houston for decades at this point. It's one of the oldest city surveys in the United States. It's a big deal. Yeah. And in 2003, it showed that 63% of people we're okay with expanding highways, allowing more feeders, more freeways, more more basically car-related uh, transportation systems. In 2015, that had dropped to 26% of people who are who would like more expansion. Actually, most people who've been surveyed would like to see more bike lanes, more walkable neighborhoods, Mm -hmm. more parks. It seems like there is a shift, not only in the push from organizations and uh, NGOs to kind of push for this idea that we uh, open up our transportation to more than just vehicular driving, but now it's trickling down to the public for them to have this perception that, hey, I'd like more options. Recently, we posted on Twitter, if having more bike lanes in Houston, Mm -hmm. would you feel like you have more options or would you feel like you're constricted because your driving would be constricted? 53 people voted. 94% of the people that voted on that poll said that it would give them more options. I'm not sure your methodology is going to hold up, but it's an indicator. Right. It's not a great sample size, but... I mean, it's so hard because Houston was built for automobiles. You know, the vast majority of our infrastructure has been made for cars. You know, the way that our lots are platted, the way that our roads are built. Mm Mm-hmm. 
is for cars. It's hard to do some of this stuff yeah. retroactively, retrofitting the city. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be hard, but, you know, it's really good to see that it looks like there's the public will to do it. And the article argues that it took Sweden. Sweden, a known model for Texas. Yeah, go on. <laughs> it's just that uh, they're the most successful example of Vision Zero because they were some of the first to implement it. Yeah. It took them a decade to even get anything going. And even recently, in the past, like, uh, like, six or seven years, they've had to recommit to the idea of Vision Zero in policy again. I mean, the article argues that this is not an easy way. It is slow. It is incremental. It takes time. It will take effort. And it will take a vision for the city to follow that is beyond political leaning and that can be adhered by everyone who kind of comes into office to build on top of it. Yeah. I mean, I am so worried, AK, that the culture wars are eating away at the possibility of this. This was sort of what we were talking about with Joe Cotrufo from Bike Houston. Something as simple as bike safety, pedestrian safety has become the stuff of political ads. Yeah, exactly. That makes it hard to carry from one administration to another. Yeah. But I'm crossing my fingers. When we spoke to Mayor Turner mm -hmm. recently, like, he seemed to be very excited about the idea of sustainability for Houston being a long-term commitment for the city, right? Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully we'll see. And hopefully the next mayor is also enthusiastic. <laughs> yeah, that. let's, yeah, that's <laughs> always the hope. Lisa, what story did you think needs more attention? Uh, the one that really took me back this week um, was about lead in the drinking water of Houston ISD schools. Oof. They did a study recently that found that there was lead in at least one pipe in four out of five HISD schools. It is, yeah. And lead is just, it's a vile thing to get into the system of a kid. You know, the side effects. Long-term effects too, yeah. Yeah, the stuff like Reduced IQ, learning disabilities, shortened attention span. It can give you anemia. It can damage your kidneys. You can have convulsions. It's so bad. It's so bad. It's so bad. Um, not to its credit, Houston ISD stepped up and did the testing. They didn't have to. They got some help from the Texas um, Commission on Environmental Quality. But after some nonprofits had pointed out that yeah, there's probably a problem here. They checked it out. Yeah. They are taking measures. They're going to like put these little water bottle filling stations in with lead filters in the schools starting spring semester 2023. Are there plans to check on any of the kids? I haven't seen that. I think that'll be up to parents. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, the other thing that kind of worries me is if HISD has lead in its water what is in all the rest of our houses and buildings? So, Lisa, excuse my ignorance, but why is it not required for schools to check if they have lead in their water supply or anything like that? Because nobody's made the law. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, it started getting a lot of attention with Detroit in, was it 2017, I think? Um, there is no law that requires it. Well, I guess that is something we should maybe advocate to add onto your 97 
ballot list. One more thing to vote on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just round it out. Make it a hundred, and it'll be it'll be good. All right. What has made you happy this week? What's your moment of joy, AK? I have. I'm gonna make it really personal this All week. Right. But I yeah. have been planning my engagement and my wedding, and I am very excited. Oh. In our culture, we do an official proposal. Your culture. Arab and Muslim culture. Mm -hmm. My parents will have to come with me and basically ask her parents for her hand in marriage for me. Uh Uh, Hopefully they say yes. I hope they say yes. It seems (laughs) like they're going to say yes. Uh, And then if that moves forward, then on the 19th, we're going to have our engagement party, which is going to be kind of close friends, family, relatives. It's going to be so much fun. And our wedding is going to be in March. And I'm so excited. We're going out suit shopping, traditional clothes shopping. My parents are looking at candles and like flowers and arrangements. Y'all are stimulating the economy. I know, exactly. It's like every day. (laughs) Weddings are expensive and Uh they're very detail oriented. And everyone seems to be excited. And I am getting in the spirit of it. I'm super hype about it. So yeah, that's been my oh, moment. Oh, congratulations! Super. Thank you so much. Oh, mine is not as personal. Mine is about Lizzo. So Lizzo played Toyota Center on Wednesday night, mm-hmm. and the thing that just made my heart leap up was that out front, as all the fans were entering Toyota Center, they were greeted by the Elsick High School Mighty Ram Band. Easy. This was the high school band that Lizzo had played in, where she played flute back when she was coming up in Houston. Lizzo knows her hometown. I love that. I really love that. She has a lot of, like, love and respect for, like, marching bands. Like, she put them in one of her music videos. She, like, has a real close connection to them. So, like... Yeah. I'm so happy she came back for her old school. That is, I bet they were so excited to perform. All the band nerds in the world. Yeah. Making band nerds cool. That is amazing. I have so many friends who played in band. Yeah. I'm not sure that she's accomplished <laughs> that yet, but you know, go Lizzo. If anybody can, it's her. I don't know. I'd be seeing a lot of videos on TikTok of like, uh, of like kids and drum lines and stuff like that, like just doing tricks and stuff, like and still performing yeah. really well. So I don't know. I think the mood is shifting on band oh, kids. Man. Yeah, the world can change. All right, maybe someday Houston will have zero traffic deaths. Yeah, well, we can change it. Yeah. I've got hope, AK. <laughs> <laughs> Astro sustainability—that's what we need all around Houston. Yeah. Let's go. Cool bands and sustainability. All right. Thanks, AK. It's been fun. (laughs) Of course. Thank you, Lisa. That was CityCast producer AK Al Momin. We also heard from CityCast Philly host Trinae Nuri. That is it for our show this week. Our lead producer, Dina Kesba, is away on parental leave. We've been getting help while she's gone from Will Fulton, our content director, and we're really grateful. Carly Ong Jones and A.K. Almoman are our producers. Brooke Lewis writes our newsletter, Hey Houston. Lizzie Goldsmith, a roving producer for CityCast, has been helping us out this week. We're very grateful. Our theme music is by Farrell Gibbs and his band, All the Kimonos. And I am Lisa Gray, your host. We will be back on Monday. 
talk with you then. We also heard from the host of CityCast Philly, Trinae Nuri, who is definitely going down. <laughs>